When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are we doing the intro or should I just get into it? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another edition of Apocalyptic Quarantine Hell, or as we like to call it, Tunes and Tumblr's Century Club by Atwood Magazine, your weekly shot of what's new in music. Please give us and Atwood a like and subscribe on social media because that's the only shot of endorphins we get nowadays. I'm your host, Anthony, and I really wish you could see my pandemic beard right now. Just picture Robin Williams from Jumanji shouting, what year is it? And you're pretty close. Um, of course, we all know what year it is. It's the year that literally won't leave us alone. It's 2016's bully of an older brother that got out of prison with a vendetta against everyone. It's 2020. And we should have known it was going to be shit the minute those idiotic 2020 New Year's Eve glasses with the offset eye holes showed up on all of our faces. Uh, I could probably go on for hours, but that's not why we're here. Century Club is all about kicking back with a brand new song and a craft shot to match. We're also joined by Austin Alt Country Band, The Barons, who have dropped by for an exclusive quarantine session performance of their latest single, Unfinished, and to let us know the delicious drinks they've been sipping in quarantine. Stick around to the end of the show for that delicious little escape. As always, I'm joined by my partners in crime, my Justice League, my Avengers, the Moe and Curly to my Larry, and they are... I'm not sure I accept that. Ryan, your music connoisseur. <laughs> and Pedro, your mixologist. <laughs> Thanks for joining me on this lovely Sunday evening, guys. I actually wouldn't know it was Sunday evening if I didn't check my watch. Um, my apartment is very much like a casino right now with the warm lighting, the blacked out windows, the 21 pilots pumping into the room with purified oxygen. Honestly, it's pretty great. <laughs> uh, Yikes. What kind of... <laughs> what kind of adventures have you guys gotten up to this week? None. Because <laughs> I don't leave my apartment. Well, I guess I guess I go on walks, but those don't really count as adventures. Mm. I went coin shooting down in Camarillo and um, found nothing. Coin shooting. <laughs> I feel like that's a term I should know, but I don't. It's like an old school term for bringing a metal detector to the beach and uh, trying to find uh, coins. Hobbyist lingo. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we're in the middle of a coin shortage. That's a a really good use of your time. We need need everyone with metal detectors. (laughs) Round it up. We all got to do our laundry. Exactly. (laughs) Well, we have a lot to get to today, so let's take a quick run by the news desk. First up, Rolling Stone shook up its list of the 500 greatest albums of all time earlier this week. The original list was published in 2003 and leaned heavily on rock and roll, but the revamp seems to have changed with the times. Rolling Stone editor Jason Fine wrote in a statement Tuesday that... 
quote, the goal wasn't to update the list, but to blow it up and recreate it from scratch, uh, reflecting both the canon of pop music and the ever-shifting currents of taste. The magazine tallied more than 300 ballots from music industry professionals and musicians, including votes from Beyonce and Taylor Swift. But in a glaring oversight, no one asked me my opinion. Um, But the end result is a mix of classics from the notorious B.I.G.'s Ready to Die at 22, Aretha Franklin's I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You at 13, and the Rolling Stones' Exile on Main Street at number 14. Plus, we have 21st century music like Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly at 19, Amy Winehouse's Back to Black at 33, and one of my favorites, Billie Eilish with When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go at number 397. The number one album is now Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, unseating Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Reactions to the list have been polarizing, probably because everyone has different taste. Some thought it still had too much rock. Others thought there were too many modern records. And some saw it as a political move, especially in the wake of worldwide protests this summer. Well, for that entire list, head over to rollingstone.com slash hot takes. <laughs> uh, this one's just it kind of made me laugh um, Kamala Harris might have thrown a little shade at Kanye West in an interview this past week uh, during the NAACP's virtual convention on the 25th CNN's Angela Rye asked the vice presidential nominee who she thought the best rapper alive was Harris responded with Tupac and after being reminded that Tupac is in fact dead <laughs> Harris said, I know. (laughs) Harris said, I know. I keep doing that. Um, Harris went on to say that there are so many rappers she likes, but that there's, quote, some I wouldn't, I would not want to mention right now because they should stay in their lane. Now, now she would not confirm who she meant, obviously. Mm. Um, when, (laughs) When asked who she was talking about, she basically told Angela Wright, I said what I said, now move on. Um, Popular opinion is obviously that she was totally talking about Kanye West, who's trying to run for president. And I think I speak for a lot of people when I say, yeah, we totally agree. Uh, Ryan? Um, just processing that one. Um, yeah, this is uh, this one comes from Jen Oswad for Variety. Uh, South by Southwest moves towards 2021 with a digital festival announced with plans for a physical one. South by Southwest, uh, as Many of you know, film and digital festival in Austin that was canceled due to the pandemic just days before has made its first announcements for 2021, a digital festival with plans for a 2021 physical event. The digital experience will feature conferences, keynotes, sessions, screenings, showcases, and more will take place from March 16th to 20th in 2021. So according to the press release, South by Southwest is launching South by Southwest online as part of our 2021 offerings. The announcement reads, the digital experience will feature conference keynotes and sessions, screenings, showcases, networking, and exhibitions. As for musicians, in lieu of the standard showcase application process, the music festival will be curated by programming staff with priority given to showcase presenters and artists who are scheduled for the 2020 event. The cancellation of the 2020 event, especially so close to its launch, was devastating not only for the musicians, film, and projects that were to be showcased there, caused enormous hardship for the festival itself, which was forced to lay off one-third of its staff almost immediately after the announcement. So um, hopefully some of them will be back, and we can look forward to uh, a good festival this year, next year. That's going to be one hell of a Zoom meeting. 
Well, great work as always, guys. Wolf Blitzer would be proud of us. Uh, but I think it's time we got to the show. Ryan, what's on the old gramophone today? Okay, so uh, on the gramophone, we are going to be hearing High Hopes. Not the song by Brandon Urie and Friends, but by Japanese singer-songwriter Joji. This ballad appears on his brand new album, Nectar, released this Friday on 88 Rising, and features a collaboration with TNT favorite Omar Apollo. Hmm. I'm actually really excited about this one. Um, I've worked with Joji's team over at 88 Rising for over half a decade now, so I've gotten like this up-close look at his rise in popularity, but um, we can get into that later. Right now, we need a pairing. Pedro, what's our cocktail du jour? Oh, this song. This song, I hope, I love this song. Um, it's so lush and euphoric, and it's like, I don't know, it's like audio candy. It's really really just beautifully produced i love this song um so i wanted something that was uh sweet and warm um and so i had a lot of thoughts when coming up with a shot for this first of all high hopes um obviously the immediate thought was weed uh and i took a book out of our guest liz brownstein's book and i decided to use um some hemp infused vodka and then mixing that with some uh some butterscotch schnapps which has a nice um it's nice and sweet it's got like a it's got like a very warm color to it and i sort of wanted to i sort of wanted to use that to emphasize the omar apollo feature apollo being the name he uses it's apollo is the god of you know the sun and i kind of wanted to to pay an homage to that and plus this song is just it it, i don't know it it sort of fills me with a warm glow and i kind of wanted to to use that in there so we're using the butterscotch schnapps a tiny little bit of sea salt just to sort of balance out the sweetness a little bit um and then with the the sort of the effect of this shot like the cool part about it i wanted to maybe incorporate something um an ingredient that maybe is very popular in japan and in japan there's uh, a pretty big trend of uh, bubble tea using you know tapioca balls in in drinks so I figured I'd go with that. So I'm using uh, tapioca tapioca pearls for this drink, and I'm I'm sort of making them float in the shot. Um, that was sort of the biggest sensation I got with this song. is it's it's just very floaty. It makes me feel like I'm floating in space or in like a massive dark deep ocean. And so I kind of wanted to to put some of that in there. And so I'm using dry ice at the bottom of the shot to sort of create the bubbles and everything and keep the tapioca balls uh, suspended in the drink for a little bit. And you're definitely going to want to let the the dry ice like run out before you drink it. But yeah, that is that is the shot we're going with. And um, I'm naming it a cheer me up because I think it will make you smile when you see it. Wow. I definitely need a little pick me up, especially after... uh... Uh, my disaster of an intro for this episode. <laughs> Let's get this show on the road, guys. Uh, cheers. 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 All right. So um, full disclosure for uh, everyone listening at home. Um, I start grad school in a week. So um, I, yes, thank you very much. I am now $20,000 in debt and feeling great about it. Um, but kind of like a, a trade-off with that is that um, I've had to take uh, 
a small break from prepping the show. So today we are going to be having more of a freeform conversation, kind of like the good old days back when uh, when we were just talking about Maggie Rogers in Drew's room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this so, can't possibly go off the rails. <laughs> Not yes. Um, if we uh, Drew, if we get onto another QAnon um, tangent, <laughs> uh, you have our permission to reel us back in. So, Joji, uh, I want to hear from you guys. Like, how far back do you go with Joji? Um, when was the first time you heard about him? Not far at all. The farthest I go back is the um, is slow dancing in the dark and the microwave challenge on TikTok. Do you guys know yeah. about that? Yeah, I heard about that. That's pretty much it for me too. That's it's not. I'm. I don't. I'm not very familiar with him. At least not for very long. Mm. I. In reading about him a bit more, though, I realized I did technically know him because he also um, was the, uh, he and his friends were the creators of the Harlem Shake viral challenge. Really? Oh, really? That was them? I saw that in a, in a listicle of uh, fun facts about him. Uh, apparently, they were the originators. I mean, that's probably debated, but um, yeah, that's what this article claimed. Of course, who can forget that? bizarre time i wish uh... i could i wish i could (laughs) you want to know something funny so we all went to ucsb and um uh me and my business partner at the time uh we were the ones who created and filmed the ucsb uh harlem shake in stork plaza did you guys participate in that i did not but i remember i i forget why i didn't go i don't know i was probably doing something else like drinking but yeah, I think I think I remember you mentioning that you uh you that you recorded that. Yeah, that was <laughs> that when was a time. I 2012? I, I think 2013, like early oh, 2013. Then had, oh, then I had graduated. My bad. Yeah, we but were, I remember we... hearing about it. <laughs> oh yeah, you guys were gone. I'm wow. the one who stayed in that town way longer than I should have. The most viral thing at that time uh my last year was uh Bike Path Love. Oh, I man. remember Bike Path Love. Was that uh, Brent Pella? Yeah, I think mm. so. Oh, Hollow Brent like... Pella. That's right. It's his second call out in this uh, in this show. The first <laughs> being with Chandler Juliet. the The reason I know Joji is because I have worked with his uh, label slash multimedia company slash um, one stop shop for Asian American artists, uh, Eighty Eight Rising, and. I, I don't do anything like remotely important there. I am their location sound mixer for when they do like documentaries and behind the scenes stuff. Um, so I've worked with Joji quite a few times. Um, he has this uh, uh, cooking show for 88 Rising that he does with Complex. And I'm completely forgetting the name of it right now because, of course, I didn't do my prep this week. Uh, but... It's him and Rich Brian. Do you guys know about Rich Brian at all? Oh, yeah. Big Rich yeah, Brian. So, yep. <laughs> so it's the two of them doing like a cooking show with famous chefs and just being weirdos about it. And it's a good time. <laughs> uh, fun fact, that was, uh, uh, I think, two years ago now. The first year I worked on that show, they had a um, a chef in who was doing barbecue of... Um, exotic meats so that was the first time i tried camel and that was the first time i tried bull testicle um would not recommend either for different reasons 
<laughs> um, yeah. Wow. And so like during that time, like I kind of became more familiar with his music and I didn't realize that he was the guy who uh, originated Filthy Frank. And like when I talked to my business partner about like, you know, filling in for some days coming in, he's like, oh, yeah, dude, you're working with Filthy Frank. And I'm like, who? Like, oh, yeah, Filthy <laughs> Frank. Do you not know? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm very YouTube illiterate unless it's like uh, video essays about the show Archer or uh, <laughs> or just people talking way too much about socialism. Those are like my my YouTube hard candy. You're like um, for, you're like Forrest Gump. You were like right there in the middle of all of it. No idea what's going on. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I just I just kept running. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, like, I didn't really get into his music or know that he was as popular as he was until like I would I want to say like mid last year. I'm like, oh wait, Joji's a big deal. Um, I was on like Tinder or something, and I like connected with this girl because like all of her favorite you know how ryan you were talking about this right like how on uh tinder like they show like your spotify obsessions yeah oh yeah i mean you can opt to show your your favorite or your most played things and you can choose an anthem and such yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so like all of her top everything was joji and i'm like oh, this girl must be really interesting. Like, she knows this niche artist that only I know about, (laughs) not realizing that this dude has, like, 13 million followers. Um, But, yeah, I... I, So, like, since then, I've been getting, like, really into kind of, like, this... I I like his kind of, like, dark, brooding kind of alt R&B thing that he's got going on. Mm -hmm. It feels really fresh to me. It feels... um, very modern, very anti-genre, the way that we were talking about. Uh, what do you guys think of um, this song? Give me your reactions. It, it kind of reminded me of listening to like James Blake for the first time. It just puts you in a headspace, and it, it just creates this... Everything sort of blacks out around you when you're listening to it, and you're, you're just sort of floating and existing in this nothingness, but it's like a peaceful nothingness, even though it's dark you know what i mean does that make sense does that track it's a lot of pop seems like a lot of pop music right and a lot of the songs we've covered recently Mm -hmm. kind of similar to are are we okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah sort of bragging or like listing listing things like in the verse and saying you have high hopes but just you sound completely miserable about it right not really or like pretty uncertain that's more so not miserable but uncertain um, yeah. I love the guitar. I love the tone on the guitar. It sounds mm-hmm. really um really kind of raw and messed up and um I got to know how many filters they use to get that sound. Yeah, it's and... almost like someone's just plucking at like it's not even a real guitar. It's almost like it's just a shoebox with some strings. Yeah, Katie's never touched an instrument found <laughs> yeah. you know, mm-hmm. for an instrument and just kind of started plucking at it and um, yeah. and you're right, it does create a very particular vibe which I like. Um, and that's, that's kind of his, I mean, it's very him. It seems like based on his, his career, that's kind of what he does best. You know, mm-hmm. he's kind of slow, dark brooding ballads. And, uh, yeah, I find his, I find his trajectory interesting. He's obviously very good at, uh, content and the internet and figuring out what works, but it seems throughout all of it, it's like, he's got that personality that 
was really popular, the Filthy Frank one, but he sort of has an aversion to it in some ways and kind of stuck with it because it was so popular and was really wanted really to make music, but kind of stuck with that because it was working out so well Mm -hmm. and kind of struggling with anonymity and trying to balance and juggle all that. So it's really interesting to so many of these big stars these days have these interesting histories um, kind of littered with like internet uh, virality and attempts to figure out a lane. And so this really fits for him though, I think. Yeah. It seems like no one just comes up as an artist anymore. Like the internet is uh, uh, the aggregator. Like you are, you, you start as on like some online platform doing like comedy or something. And then you pivot into music or you were on TV and then you pivot into music or you just do everything. And music is a part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think like, He's not a Zoomer. He's like our age. He's like maybe three years younger than us. Um, but he like is kind of at the forefront of that too. Like there's kind of a blending with uh, generations as the uh, the internet becomes essential to living your life that this is how you do it. Um, have you noticed that at all, guys? Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's also like, I, th- I think that's sort of always been a practice, right? Like if you want to, if if especially in like pop and everything it's sort of like new artists you just sort of you do what people like you feed the beast and then later you can kind of just do what you want and uh explore your like artistic creativity and i think now it's sort of that's where the internet is it's at the beginning right you get viral get famous do do that get the followers and then you can kind of do whatever you want well it's interesting that the a lot of the times the end goal for these people who came up as personalities or famous on some of these, uh, like online, like YouTube or TikTok, the end goal very often is films, TV, or like a music career. Mm-hmm. So the end goal is still the traditional careers in entertainment. You know, it's like, Oh, I got here. Now I want to be a recording artist. That's what I really want. And many yeah. can do that by the time they've built up that following when they put something out, assuming the products look pretty good. Um, chances of success are pretty high. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think what was the thing, the headline recently, somebody just got like a TikTok star just got cast in like a really big film role that like no one over Mm. 30 had heard of, but got cast (laughs) in like a major role. Mm. So it's just interesting how the path, there's still this desire to take the traditional path. It's just that that path looks a lot different and has to be sort of uh, forged on your own. Mm. It's also kind of interesting to me that uh, casting companies now, um, as somebody who works in film, like a lot of uh, casting companies will look at your following before they even decide to cast you. Like they want that built-in marketing. I mean, you probably know that Pedro as an actor. Do you get that a lot? Oh yeah. I see it like, you see it all the time. Like if you're, if you're filling out, because a lot of times, you know, you go to a casting office or you have to fill something out ahead of time. There's all kinds of boxes, your name, your phone number, blah, blah, blah. And one of them will be like, um, your Facebook link, your Instagram, how many followers do you have? Shit like that. Yeah, it's it's like it's becoming a pretty common thing. It is a common thing and not becoming it is now. Yeah, I 
I don't know how I feel about that. I've been on sets before where like very famous YouTubers have been cast in these roles and it's very obvious that they are not actors. Like they yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of wonder like in, you know, becoming jacks of all trades, um, people are becoming masters of none. I mean, that's how this the full saying goes that nobody like no one says the complete thing they're like oh he's a jack of all trades yeah but he's a master of none yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> and also like i was kind of thinking about this but you look at these people who uh do so much they're um they're actors they have their own uh brand of whiskey uh or or tequila and they uh are like stars online and they're also musicians and i think like Number one, that's really impressive, but also I think that the flip side of that is that they're pushing this whole uh, culture of of hustle that kind of burns everyone out when we're trying to emulate that. At least, like from my own experience, like taking on grad school now, like I just had um, a really long conversation about at what point are you taking on too much? Like you are getting really burnt out, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like. What what do you guys think about that? Like, is having that uh, be the model that we kind of mold ourselves onto? Do you think that that is potentially harmful? I mean, if if you're the kind of person who like you feel like you can handle it, great, do all the stuff you want to do. But I think you also have to keep in mind that if you have a day where you can't do all of it, that's okay, and you're not a failure. I think that's I think that's probably more the problem than want you to do a bunch of different things the the problem is like when you want to like take a breath for a second then something in your head makes you feel like you're lazy or you know you're slacking off and you're not doing you're not doing your job right i think that's probably the bigger problem than wanting to do all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. and it's, re- it's reinforced when you open an app and you're like, yeah, I'm going to take a break. But then you open the app and see everyone you're following has posted in the last three hours. Then you feel behind. Right. So I think that has to go hand in hand with like not like taking breaks from it. I think we're we're really truly trying to no one's really quite cracked the code, it seems, to figuring out that perfect balance. You know, mm-hmm. it's like yeah. something we're still figuring out. And, you know, if you're a huge celebrity already, you have the luxury to not really be involved on social media like Shia LaBeouf can get away with it but he came up in Mm -hmm. kind of a different time you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah it seems the expectations are pretty high for those trying to break in it's interesting yeah I don't I don't I think uh I think it's clear and we've gone over it on the show before that it obviously has the potential to be negative uh to your mental health uh yeah you can watch the social the social dilemma and uh on netflix and see all about it and watch the uh <laughs> watch that mess I, unfold um i think that um like a, what a lot of us don't realize is that once people become famous and they start taking on like a bunch of things that they have people to do that they have mm-hmm. they have teams and teams of people that help them do all these things and when you're looking at them like, why can't I do all this? It's like, oh, dude, you can't afford to hire all these people. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, money buys more money. 
and people with more dollars get more opportunities. And I'm going to stop before we get off the rails here. <laughs> well, I was, uh, was going to say just like one other thing, though. It, I, I, it always kind of bugs me when like when you're talking to somebody or, or someone's like even interviewing you for whatever. And they're sort of like, OK, what else do you like? You're going in for one specific thing, but they're like, OK, what else do you do? Like, even just in acting, it's like, okay, obviously you're an actor, you're here. Can you play guitar, though? Can you sing? Can you dance? Have you done, like, all this other shit? And are you, like, really good at all of it? And it's like, well, what if this person has just spent a lot of time focusing on being a good actor? Not like, good enough. Yeah, exactly, right? But that's, yeah, like, that's the whole idea. It's like, no, fuck that. You need to be a triple threat at minimum. And it's <laughs> like, well, no, that's, what if someone's just not? And that's, yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah, it's like that episode <laughs> of Friends where Joey says that he can speak French and he does not speak French. Yeah, you're just going to make people lie and then they're going to start coming up with like any little thing is like a skill now. It's like, well, I'm really good at um, flipping a water bottle and making it land upright. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, when they start hiring specifically for TikTok videos, they know where to find you. Mm hmm. I mean, I'm not good at that. Don't don't at me. Hey, I heard two, that two they're, they're going to you, baby. Coin shooting. <laughs> you, ready to book, you ready to start booking gigs? Ready to... <laughs> that's that's like a great name for it, though, to like keep it vague, because it's like you're going to get called in just because someone wants to know what coin shooting is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah. <laughs> just make when something I'm padding up, out my resume. <laughs> Um, so I think we're kind of coming up on the end here. Um, there were a couple more things that I wanted to talk about, but, uh, one, cause I always like to talk about mental health. Uh, Joji has been, um, one of those artists who has been very open and honest about his own struggles with mental health. Um, I sent you guys a piece by Voltgeist earlier, uh, like a couple of days ago. And one thing, um, that he talks about is that, um, at some points, like Joji had to step back from everything that he was doing because of a neurological disorder. And he put out a statement saying like, yeah, this is what's going on with me. I'm on a bunch of medic, like antipsychotic medications that I have to take several times a day. And this is more important. And especially when you look around at like, uh, how <laughs> sad music is right now. And mm -hmm. like a lot of, uh, young artists who are engaging in self-destructive behavior. I mean, I know that we talked about that um, in our episode on Juice World, which was a, a really tragic story. But like, I, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like more visibility is important, but also not glorifying the idea that you have to be the, the, the troubled artist in order mm -hmm. to make great art. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think we discussed that with Juice World, right? It's like, shining a light on what actually goes on sort of takes the glamour out of the whole dying young thing, which it's never been glamorous, but a lot of people like to, I, I feel like it sort of gets, it, it sort of puts people in a, in a certain, um, it gives people these ideas that dying young makes you a genius or something like that. And it's just, but yeah, we discussed that, I think. And I think, I think it's important for everyone to know that, to see these people they look up to and that they have problems and that they're not, they're not great artists because of those problems. 
they're great artists with those problems and they're dealing with it in different ways. Hmm. I was just thinking about uh family guy and I'll explain why. Um, so <laughs> you don't have to go on. <laughs> <laughs> so you think of like, you know, uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix and Jim Morrison and Amy Winehouse, like the final images that we have is of these great artists. And the reality is that, you know, after their peak, they kind of fade in popularity. They grow older. Maybe they grow problematic, like a certain Van Morrison type person that we talked about (laughs) last week. Um, And (laughs) Family Guy had a really good joke about like what would have happened if Kurt Cobain would have lived. And it's just like, He's like a morbidly obese, like post grunge knockoff where he's trying to play his new stuff and everyone's like, play Nevermind. Uh, oh, so yeah. You remember that one? Well, I remember that one. And then there was another one, right, where he he was still alive and he got clean and he was at like at a, at a concert and everyone was loving it. And he goes off stage and um, I forget who he's talking to, but he's like, have you met my wife, Courtney Love? And someone goes, who? <laughs> yeah, that was another good one. <laughs> but I think that like that's the reality we don't want to face is that mm-hmm. you know if you die young, like people are always going to remember the peak instead of seeing the slow decline, which is a reality for all of us. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this when I wanted to talk very deeply about death in our last episode. Like these are realities and I think like the best thing that we can do is slowly allow ourselves to become more comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. I just loved the transition from Family Guy. (laughs) This conversation of mental health makes me think of the flashback in episode 452 with Tyler the Cheese Guy. Uh, He's super coked out. Uh, No. Uh, At first when I thought you mentioned that Kurt Cobain story, I thought you're the point. I thought you were were like wiling out and your point was going to be actually it's good sometimes that these people die on. Oh my look god! What, oh, no. Look what can look what can happen. You don't want him to become like Van Morrison, or like <laughs> what would John Lennon have been like? You know, it's uh those are those are uh, strange thought experiments to have, aren't they? Um, oh yeah, we can go in completely <laughs> different directions with that. Oops. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I think you're you're right about that insight, and I think more awareness is always important. I guess and. Um, Hopefully more people take care of themselves and can realize how normal it is and feel like they can talk about these things and um, recognize it and uh, and friends and have better literacy and intervene and help each other when, when things come up. I guess that's all. That's what you can hope for, I guess. High hopes. Ooh, nice. I like how you did that. Yeah. I don't think I need to ask you guys about lingering thoughts because that's a good place to leave it. Mm-hmm. Unless you want to say something else about Family Guy, Pedro. Always. But you know what? That's a whole different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tune in um, to our new podcast, The Family Guys. um, (laughs) Coming soon to Atwood Magazine. (laughs) With me, your host, Pedro Griffin. (laughs) (laughs) That's got to be out there somewhere. (laughs) Not Ryan, The Family Goys. Oh my, oh, my God. Oh, my there we go. <laughs> wow. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, 
All right. So um, I think it's about time <laughs> we, we, we got we gotta up. go. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's about time we turn things over to our mu- musical guest for the day. But before then, um, I think we're plugging the same things as usual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same as last week. Same as that ever was. If you haven't the listened occurrence. to last week's, go to listen to last week's episode, and you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah. There you mm-hmm. go. We're plugging last week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful well thank you for listening to tunes and tumblers tunes and tumblers is an atwood magazine podcast be sure to like the show and atwood on every platform also please rate and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast it only takes a couple of seconds and guess what it helps get us out to way more people tunes and tumblers was produced as always by drew Franzblau. Our theme song is by New New Girlfriend. And before we sign off, let's keep this party going a little. We're joined by Dana and Jordan of the Austin alt-country band, The Barons, for a performance of their song, Unfinished. It's a nostalgic throwback to the time when mainstream country music was nothing but three chords and the truth. And the truth is that a lot of us are dealing with unfinished tasks, projects, and grief in this state of suspended animation. Full disclosure, I cried a little in my car while listening to it earlier, and I can't wait to share that experience with all of our listeners who are probably stuck in Tuesday morning traffic right now. So without further ado, this is The Barons with Unfinished. Cheers. Cheers. Let's see. So yeah, upcoming, we have this uh, six-song EP called Young. Um, I thought this EP was cool because when we all first met, we were all still getting a sense for each other and our personalities. So this was a really good opportunity to kind of all contribute our own parts and our own voices to this project. And um, so it's kind of the the um, final product of how that came out. Ironically, uh, Unfinished was the first one that we actually got through all the way. <laughs> Um, I remember we started that song with no idea of how that song should go. We were like kind of had a layout, but just no idea. Uh, I remember ideas kind of really sparking. Nick starts that off with the drum roll kind of in the start, and we all kind of clicked off of that. And yeah, it'll be a it'll be releasing October sixteenth. We're all super excited about it. Um, we've seen we've received a lot of positive feedback on it, and we hope it uh, all resonates with all our listeners just as much as it does with us. So thank y'all for listening. So yeah, so like Dana said, our first EP is coming out October 16th. Uh, Can't wait for that. We're really excited about it. Um, We also just recorded our first ever music video as a band um, for one of our singles, Young. And kind of crazy story how it all came together, but um, basically we're able to rent out a roller rink for the day. Um, courtesy of Rob shout out Rob we love you Rob Um, and his family they were so generous they let us come in you know for the whole day um, and basically just use his rink and we got a lot of really fun shots ordered some pizza and beer and had our friends come and got to skate which is way harder than I remembered as a kid Um, so it was fun we're really excited for that release as well so keep your eyes out let's see a few months back my dad started really getting into uh, whiskey tasting so I kind of through proxy started some of that as well 
found a friend or two that was getting into it as well. And so it gave us something to do on certain weeknights or weekends. So I'd say my most recent right now, I split a bottle of uh, Dalmore Portwood Reserve with my buddy Mason, which has been delicious. Highly recommend it. Margaritas are like my go-to. Anytime I go out, that's what I'm getting. Um, So I feel like just at home, I've been making my own margaritas or anything with tequila. I feel like maybe as I've gotten older, vodka doesn't sit as well with me anymore. So tequila is like my go-to now. Um, Yeah, just some ice cubes, some Topo Chico, and some lime. Lots and lots of lime. One, two, three. Things to work out, 
clean me.